0: Hi, my name is Lewin Pham. I'm an author illustrator and I've illustrated over 100 books for kids. Uh, today, I'm here to talk about The Itchy Book. It's from the Mo Willems series Elephant and Piggy Like to Read through Hyperion Books.
1: Welcome to The Yarn, a school library journal production. I'm Travis Yonker. Lewin Pham is one of the most consistent and prolific creators in children's literature. Her career is notable for just how many different things she's produced. Picture books, yes, but she's also illustrated chapter books, graphic novels, middle grade fiction. Until recently, though, she hadn't made an early reader. That changed with The Itchy Book, her entry into the Elephant and Piggy-like reading series, edited by Mo Willems. During our conversation, Lewin talks about how creating an early reader differs from creating a picture book, and the artistic restlessness that's always leading her in new directions. This episode is part of our Unraveler series. In each episode, a book creator will take you inside one of their books. Their inspiration, fears, frustrations, epiphanies, the whole thing pulled apart. It's time to unravel the Itchy Book.
0: The Itchy Book. (laughs) How do you explain what the Itchy Book is about? It's kind of in the title, right? (laughs) It's, um... Well, when the the concept first came about, um, I was trying to do a book about restraint and about holding back, and and the the final wonderful feeling when you finally let that release go. Um, so the itchy book came from that. What was the one thing that you you know are not supposed to do all the time is you're not supposed to itch. Your parents are always telling you stop scratching, um, and so it just sort of came from that. And then I realized that. <laughs> <laughs> that in the process of, of, of refraining from itch, you could really torture someone because that's exactly how you feel when you're a kid and you and you uh, you can't scratch, um, and then of course you throw in dinosaurs on top of that whole thing and uh, you just got yourself a winner right there. So, <laughs> it's basically about dinosaurs that are not allowed to itch because the rule says, carved in stone, dinosaurs do not scratch. So let's see if they follow it. <laughs> You know, it's funny because uh, to do these books, Mo sort of um, tries people out. So you go and you sort of pitch some ideas to Mo, and then he, he picks the one that he likes. The original concept of it was not supposed to be about itchiness. It was supposed to be about <laughs> a Band-Aid. Um, my son always has Band-Aids on his knees, and he's always sort of picking at the scabs, and he loves picking <laughs> scabs. And the original conceit of the book was going to be uh, three little characters, monsters, dinosaurs, whatever, and um, they were wanting to pick a scab. And the scab is covered with a Band-Aid, and each day he wants to lift the Band-Aid to pick the scab, and he's not supposed to, and you hold throughout the book, and finally at the end, he lifts the Band-Aid, and it's been healed. There's no scab. (laughs) And I pitched that idea, and Mo did not go for it. He's... (laughs) all about hygiene he just did not like the idea that some kid was wanting to go underneath his band-aid so he uh, he's like no 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 I love the idea of restraint but there's no way I'm gonna tolerate having school nurses and librarians write to me and saying you're encouraging our children to pick scabs and create scars so um so yeah so we we switched it from that but he liked the idea of restraint so he threw out the idea of um, the itchy book right away and he's like write that and so I just went off and wrote that <laughs> It was an incredibly easy book to write because I wrote it in chunks. I mean, I would, I would pitch ideas to Mo, he would throw some ideas back, and then he would um, come back with some, some new ideas, I would go back. And sort of, it worked very, very organically. So to try to recall what was the first thing I wrote... I'm going to guess it had to probably be the rule, right? The law. It says dinosaurs do not scratch. And then from that, the entire story emanates. So dinosaurs do not scratch. And we had crazy dialogues about well, why don't dinosaurs scratch? (laughs) What's the rule? It's not like their parents are telling them not to. They've got tough skin. Um, And I had to find all of these reasons for why dinosaurs shouldn't scratch and how it relates to kids and um, making it in in a funny way and making it so that each of the dinosaurs have a particular itch that they need scratched. And they're all different dinosaurs. So there's actually a lot that ends up going into it um, that you don't really think about because it's it's such a simple, simple conceit. But yeah, hopefully I've got a nice range of different kids sort of involved in it and representations of the dinosaurs. Usually, I'm a, I'm a picture book illustrator and I've written um, five picture books by myself. Um, I mean, on my own. Um, and it's, it's an, I think it's a very difficult, uh, a difficult field um, a lot of writers that I know, for instance, Shannon Hale is a good friend of mine, and she tells me constantly how difficult it is for her to write picture books. And I don't think of that genre in that way. I think you, you somewhat feel like you either come to it naturally or you sort of don't. Um, but there's something different about the itchy book from the other picture books. Uh, it's because it is designed for those early readers. And so, in fact, if you were to see my original script compared to what it came out to be, a lot of it came down to, well, this isn't really in um, that reading level. You're gonna have to change this word to that word. And I was surprised at the degree to which I had to adjust a lot of those words. And so a lot of the onomatopoeia that exists in the book, a lot of those funny sounds, I had to replace them because they were words that kids just didn't understand or wouldn't have been akin to. There's actually a spread in the book where um, Tyrannosaurus Rex shows up for the first time And the um, ichthyosaurus, the main guy with the glasses, (laughs) he screams out like you know, guys, we got to go. It's T-Rex. And my original one was, cheese it, guys. It's (laughs) T-Rex. And my editor's like, no, sorry, that won't fly with kids. You're going to have to come up with a different exclamation. And I think I came up with 20 different exclamations, like, before we settled on holy macaroni. But it was just everything that you can imagine. And each one was just like, no, no, no. It's got to be something that kids recognize. It's got to be something kids recognize. And I wasn't even sure holy macaroni was going to make it. But she's like, no, no, mac and cheese. That's fine. Kids know macaroni, so it's good. (laughs) but it is it's a different mindset you're gonna have to you have to you want to sort of elevate them to the next reading level but you don't want to speak down to them and it's, it's a tricky line to sort of tread I love pacing and timing in picture it's it's why I enjoy doing picture books. And this one is a fifty page format, so it gave me a lot more space to do that timing. And because I had that extra bit of space, it felt less like a picture book and more like an animation or shorts. And I think uh, that's very likely why Mo set the book up in this series is because he comes from an animation background and a lot of these books have those timing have that particular timing where you can feel there's the beat of a regular picture book that that moment of you know threes things happening in threes but on top of that you've also got like the, the humor pace like the joke that lands on every other page and that has got to get that kid to laugh or smile or you acknowledge to make you can't go so many pages without a joke landing at some point. And that timing was actually just a lot of fun because there's just so much more space to insert all the jokes. So I liked it a lot. Mo is, yeah, I would not mind him being my editor for life because he never... He comes to the table with a lot of energy, but what I love is that he doesn't um, steal your ideas, he doesn't twist your ideas, he doesn't come and force his ideas on you. It's more like he's just coaxing the best out of you that he can get. And when he finds something funny, it's really nice to see him get excited or to laugh because you know, okay, the joke really landed if he laughed at it. So it's, he's, a, he's a really great sounding board for that. But he was so hands-off, it was, it was wonderful. It was a little... Uh, scared of coming into this project and thinking Mo is a big personality he's gonna overwhelm me and he really didn't he was Great and uh, very very supportive and just like I said when he laughed. It was like okay. He just made my day he laughed I do a lot of books. I work a lot um, I hate answering this question because it sounds pathetic when I tell you how much I end up working. But so I'll, I'll say, like, I'm usually up by about 530 or 6. If I'm up before the kids, I'll go to the drawing table and I'll work until they wake up around 730. Then I'm up. My husband and I take turns taking care of the kids. So, you know, we get an hour to get them out of school. My only exercise of the day is to walk my kids to and from school and get coffee. So that round trip is about like a two mile walk. Right. Um, otherwise that's all I do. Then I'm back at my table and I'm working from steadily from nine until I usually forget to eat lunch or I've got a bowl of grapes to sustain me during the day until it's time to pick up the kids. And, um, and in the morning I have to paint because my mind is freshest in the morning. My hand is, is the most stable. So if I need to render something, it happens in the morning. In the evening I'm able, to, oh, I'm sorry, switch that around. In the morning I have to draw because my ideas are fresher and um, it takes a lot of energy to come up with ideas. So to, to do the drawings, I, I need to be at my best. So in the morning I'm drawing, in the evening I'm painting, because you want to turn off your brain when you're painting. You don't want to overthink your paintings. So I have to occupy that side of my brain that's, um, that's rational. So what I'll do is I'll listen to podcasts, I'll listen to radio programs, I'll listen to uh, TV shows, and I'll just have it playing in the background so that that right hemisphere of my brain is concentrated on that. And when that ocu- when that occupies that part of my brain, I don't overthink my paintings, and my paintings come out a lot clearer that way. Yeah, but I can work, usually painting until two in the morning if I have to when I'm on deadline. I work a lot. It's pathetic. <laughs> Early on in my career, I got a little nervous because I was kind of getting, not hold exactly, but I was doing a lot of cute animal books and they kind of called me like the Disney illustrator for a while, even though I never worked for Disney. Um, and I just, I never liked that feeling. And it was nice to just be able to change all the time. And and in the beginning, I had to fight for it. I mean, every time I got a book and an editor would be like, hey, do you wanna, um, you know, we want it in this style. I would have to nudge him in this other direction. And then they would say, well, we might not give you the book if you use that style. And it was like starting over, every book was a new book. I'd have to show another sample piece, convince them I could do it. Now it's like, oh, what style are you going to use? You know, I'm, it's, it's, it's all laid out. But it took a lot of groundwork for that to happen. So I'm a really selfish artist, I have to say. Like When I go into these things, I... There's something in it that, that, that needs to satisfy me personally. And I think that's why I do illustrate more books than I do write. Because when you write a book, you're the only person representing it. you got to go out there and you got to sell it. I'm awful at selling. I really am. I, I so much prefer sitting in my drawing table and, and drawing all day. So it's nice to, have, to be paired up with um, a writer who's more intent on going out and representing you. Um, it's not like I finish a book and I never want to see it again. It's more like... I'm like a factory, you know, and if I stop for any given time, it takes some some energy to get the wheels going again. So, given that, I just like to continue to keep going and going and going. When a book is done, I'm always a little surprised when the books <laughs> arrive a year later and they're bound and they're, you know, they're lovely and it's like, "Did I draw When did I do this? I can't even remember doing this anymore." And it's, it's nice because it allows me the chance to step back and actually appreciate what it was that I did. Um, whereas I know a lot of illustrators or writers, they'll do a book and it's maybe their one book of the year. And then when the book comes back, they're inevitably disappointed. Like, oh, it didn't turn out the way I wanted to. And like all their eggs are in that one basket. And for me, it's, it's, it's it was five books ago. And I'm, I'm able to say from like a five book distance, oh, that's, that's interesting how I solved that problem. I can apply it to this. and. To me, everything is all organic. It's all just one big project that I just keep adding onto my my fabric of life. You know, I'm not sure that that's a great thing to admit to editors, but for me, it's how it works, and yeah, I let it go. <laughs> it's a it's a goal I think that you don't ever recognize that it's always me at first. Like, I like that, that you don't immediately say, oh, that's a Leywin fan book. Although I think uh, people have said to me, I can usually tell that it's yours. There's something in there that says that it's yours. But the goal is to get it so that it, it doesn't look like it's done by the same person. Actually, my latest thing is, I've been asking the editors if I could just remove my name from the covers of the books. Like I don't even want my names on it anymore. I have no ego when it comes to this. I really don't care whether or not my name's on it. I just want people to react to the cover and to the art independent of who I am
1: thank you lewin fam for the interview thank you dina sherman for making it happen thank you philip stead for our theme music additional music for this episode from the heftone banjo orchestra on the free music archive have an idea for the show you can contact us via email at the yarnpodcast at gmail.com and visit us online at the school library journal website i'm travis yonker thanks for listening